Hello, all you beautiful people. This is Optimistically Depressed, and I am your host, Ruth McMullen. Thank you for taking the time to join me again. Um, So we're heading into January now. The new year is here, and so far, it's been inspirational. I did get sick. I caught like that cold that's going around, but it's not strep throat or the flu, so I'm happy. Um, yeah, things have been a little bit quiet around here. I've been, Sean and I have both been trying to intentionally step back and just enjoy more evenings at home and quiet and not, not take on a lot of extra stuff to do. And it's been really nice. We've needed it. So I'm really like, I'm feeling quite happy with that decision. We definitely both need the rest. So it's been good. Um, I hope that all of you are enjoying the new year. I find that um, one of the things with New Year's resolutions is that it's really great to kind of get you feeling inspired for the first part of it, like for the first, I don't know, what is it, a month or two? And then, you know, as it happens, a lot of us end up breaking it and then we kind of feel bad about ourselves afterwards. And one thing that I've really, like, I, I haven't really been huge into the New Year's resolutions. And um, I know I'm not really sure why that is. I just never really was into it. But um, I have been starting to just get into making decisions to change certain structures of my life or the way that I do things or, you know, live healthier lifestyle in certain respects. And one thing that I've found to be really helpful for me, and it's been just like advice that I've been given by a lot of some, well, mentor that I have and a couple other people in my life that are very wise. And um, it's just that, you know, you got to give yourself a break because the thing is like you're, you're making a change to your lifestyle. And so it's going to take time. You're going to make mistakes and you're going to kind of go back to your old habits. But the point is that you just keep starting over again and over again and over again and try again and try again. And so I think that's something that's, um, that we really need to, to keep in our minds when we're making these uh, New Year's resolutions. It's that you're like, no, this is what I'm doing now. And then you're going to have days where you don't do it. And then that doesn't mean that it's time for you to give up. That just means, oh yeah, right, because I'm putting a new habit in my life. So um, the point is to go back and do it again and keep, keep on starting again and being like, no, this is what I'm doing and believing in yourself. I think that's what really makes like that brings about the change. Um, And I think that a lot of us know that, but it's still difficult to just apply it to ourselves because we're, we're hard. We're generally harder on ourselves. That's just how we are. Uh, So, you know what? I'm, I'm rooting for you. You may have already kind of gone back on what you said you were going to do for your new year's resolution, but don't worry. It's not too late. You, you can start again. That's what I'm doing because I've already gone back on what I've kind of decided I'm going to be doing. And so, but like, I know we, you know, it's just, that's how we do it. That's how we change by constantly working towards that change. Uh, So I got to sit down with Katie and my goodness, she's so wise and has so much life experience for someone who's so young. And uh, she's like, she's really, really sweet. I really liked being able to meet her and sit down with her. She has like a certain point of view on life that is very 
fresh, you know, it kind of like, it's like, what I'm trying to think of the best way to describe what her personality is like. And honestly, it's like walking through a garden, you know, like you're just feeling like refreshed, inspired, and it's very just sweet and you're very settled and you're just like, yeah, it was just such a nice conversation. Her life story, like to this point, is just unbelievable. Um, and she has such an, like, she's had like some serious struggles. Like she's gotten through some serious stuff. And she, like the fact that she's so, so kind and so refreshing and inspiring to be around is just a true sign that she's taken what she's gone through and and really grown from it. And I think just like really, just so many healthy cho- uh, choices have come out of it and so, such a great point of view on life has really come, come out of it. And that's what just makes her so inspiring and just incredible to be around. It was really cool. I, I'm so thrilled that I had the honor of sitting down with her and being able to talk to her a little bit about some of her life and share and got to, to listen to some of her points of view on things. So I know all of you are going to love it. I'm so excited to be able to present it to you. So here she is. Have a listen to Katie. How's it going? Good. How are you? Good. It's been a long week, but I i mean, that's the truth for everybody, but it's been good. It's been fruitful, you know, learning lots, doing lots, getting the studio set up, which feels good. Yeah. It looks super cute in here. I mm-hmm. dig it a lot. Thank you very much. I'm very excited for when we're finally finished painting and we can actually put things in their place have things kind of organized just get a little like pet or something like a little fish <gasps> oh mark write that down i seen these things on i'm on pinterest like all the time but i don't know how like realistic these are but you can get these little like domes that you like hang up on your wall and put the fish in it and the fish just like chills <laughs> <laughs> okay well obviously we're doing that <laughs> i don't know like how easy it is to clean the fish tank <laughs> oh that part would suck i have like i have a dog his name's Picard. He is a he's a an emotional support dog, oh. and I haven't been bringing him in because we've been painting and things just aren't mm. really good. But I'm thinking that when things are more settled here, then I'm gonna start bringing him in. Oh my god, do that! Dogs are the best. We do not deserve dogs. <laughs> <laughs> they are too good for us. They're too pure. Like. They're such these sweet, like good and well-intentioned beings. Who love you unconditionally. It doesn't matter like what you look like or when you come home, they still love you just the same. Right? It's like super dope. Yeah. And they're always so excited to see you. Yeah. It's really nice. I love dogs. Yeah. So much. Yeah. I see a lot of dogs when I like do photos and stuff and people are always like, hey, can I bring my dog to our session? I'm like, absolutely you can. <laughs> bring your dog. Bring your dog. I'm like, bring the dog. <laughs> Yeah. Oh my goodness. We had, so Sean, my husband and I also run the Halifax, like not run, we help run the Halifax social network. Mm -hmm. 
and we were at a venue last week where we could actually bring Picard, but we're so used to not being able to bring him. So like we made plans to bring Picard. We leave our house. We are in the city. And then Sean's like, wait a minute, where's, where's Picard? <laughs> She's like, no, I forgot him. He's like home alone. He's real like, life. I'm alone. No, it was terrible. So yeah, say la vie. I love it. Yeah, and he was happy he was home with the kids. I mean, yeah. he would have loved being with us. But I'm not going to remind myself of that because then I'll just feel bad about it again. <laughs> <laughs> and we're past that now. Um, so you are a photographer. I am, yes. And you live in Halifax? Yeah. Did you grow up here? Um, yes, I grew up in Lower Sackville. Nice. <laughs> we lived there for five years. I'm sometimes a little like hesitant because some people are like, oh my God, you're from Sackville. I like, know no. some people get all uppity about it. Yeah. And, but I have lived in Halifax for the past couple of years now. So it's pretty, pretty, pretty nice. Good. Yeah. yeah. We lived in Sackville for five years. That's where we bought our first house. Nice. Yeah. Sackville um, is a good little area. It's just, it's. Just mostly like pizza places and car dealerships. Really. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you want to go for a slice of pizza Sackville and buy a car, place to go. go to Sackville and Randy's. you're good. There's a little plug there. Oh, good. Okay. Randy's. Yeah, they're good. They've got a couple locations in the city, actually. The pizza place. Okay. Mm. <laughs> I was like, I assume that's pizza, not car, yeah, car no, dealership. Yeah, no, no, yeah. It's, it's pizza. <laughs> okay, cool. Yeah, and you know, we actually take the kids to the movies there still because it's like not too busy yeah it's a good they've got a good little theater and stuff there and it's yeah yeah it's not cool and it has a wendy's i mean yeah. it's pretty good they had this um someone put out like a promo video for we had a walmart <laughs> it's gone now <laughs> <laughs> i know it's so funny we we saw that when we lived there and we were just like this is perfect so this will be our answer. i saw another one that someone um did their own little parody of cobquid road but to the tune of Copperhead Road by Steve Earle and I was like I'm so embarrassed to say I'm from here <laughs> amazing oh I see I don't know what that song is but I am imagining something and it's, it's hilarious it's really you're not missing out cool okay <laughs> see good finally my ignorance has paid off love it so let's get into I want to talk a bit about your life okay cool and I want to start where you want to start all right so do you want to start back when you were younger? Yeah, sure. Let's throw her on back. Let's do it. Let's get into it, Katie. <laughs> Who is Katie? Um, well, I'm a photographer. Yeah. And I'm a baker. I like to bake lots of snacks. And yeah, I like to go on adventures and stuff. Pretty much been like an artist and a photographer. My, well, like photographer for the past like 10 to 12 years, but I've been like an artist pretty much my whole life. It's pretty cool. Do you find that art is something that helps express a part of your soul that you can otherwise have trouble communicating? Yeah, definitely. I used to like draw and paint and stuff back in the day, but I was kind of like finding my way to which like art form, I suppose, I wanted to pursue. And then I realized that I actually hate painting and drawing, hate all of it. (laughs) 
<laughs> okay. Yeah, I love that. And then that. I like found like photo and like video and stuff like that. And I was like, okay, cool. This is this is my jam. This is what I'm into. And it's pretty cool. Amazing. Yeah. I'm gonna say something that's gonna date me a little bit. I took photography in high school. Amazing. And it was with film. That's so cool. That's right? where I started. I started with film photography. You did? Yeah. Like um, I did a little like uh, night class at NASCAD and learned how to like develop my film and stuff in a little closet. Yes. All that jazz and it, I think that it's a, like really cool way to learn from photography because you are literally starting like where it began. Where it started, yeah. And it's definitely a pain in the butt sometimes like when you're in a dark room with film but film yeah did you have to figure did you do the thing where you would take the film out and put it in the um like box or the bin tin whatever thing was that you needed to like put the chemicals mm-hmm. into yeah develop it and would you do it like in the bag mm-hmm. yeah so it's like you can't actually see what your hands are yeah, doing you no, just you, have to know you have no idea like if it's even gonna come out i've like torched whole rolls of film and stuff before like oh. it was but apparently you can also develop your film in coffee coffee beans like in your basement i was like that's so rad in coffee yeah that's what i know a couple photographers who have done it and it gives it this like really like grainy look and it's pretty cool i'm gonna give her a rip i think oh that's great i love that idea i I just said give her a rip on your give her a rip (laughs) we're just gonna go out for a rip there bud yeah literally (laughs) amazing coffee comes through once again yeah coffee right if you're looking for the answer it's coffee it's coffee love coffee yeah it's pretty good it is really good okay so you've gotten soon you discovered that photography was Mm -hmm. really a way that you felt you were fully communicating your passion yeah but what things do you find help calm you like photography wise or just in general kind of in general because like i know that sometimes when you find your passion that can help calm you and clear Mm -hmm. your mind but then i know that like you've turned it into a job yeah oh yeah totally so So of course that changes it um i well for like work and stuff i have certain stuff that i shoot like weddings and stuff like that but i like i've since i was like five or six my dad got me hooked on exploring abandoned houses so he would like take me out to these like decrepit (laughs) crumbling buildings and like explore them with me and then I kind of just like kept doing it and then I like picked up a camera and I was like okay I'm gonna start documenting these so that's kind of like my what I'll do in my downtime like in the winter and stuff I go out and I explore and like shoot a lot of like landscapes and abandoned houses that I probably shouldn't go into but are probably really dangerous (laughs) I actually asked him the other night um I was like hey dad do you ever like regret getting me like into exploring these and he was like when i see some of the places you go into yes <laughs> is that the way that your dad talks <laughs> no and when he listens to this he's gonna be like katie you talk like that on air i do not talk like that <laughs> but he, like it's Amazing. straight up i know that he sits there and just curses himself under his breath and i'll be like hey dad i broke into this abandoned building today and i like show him and he's like katie there's no floor in that <laughs> How did you walk around? And I'm like, oh, I just scaled the walls. It's fine. <laughs> it's fine. Perfectly safe. So yeah, like, you know, in my downtime, I like to explore a bit. Okay, cool. You like to take your life in your own hands and explore yeah. some decrepit. Crime podcasts, too. Nice. A lot of those. Yes, you're into true crime? Yeah. Have you heard of My Favorite Murder? I have. It's actually in my list of podcasts to listen to. It's nice. my favorite right now. It's good. I love you it. You listen to Dark Poutine. No, I just heard of it. They are so good. Okay. You need to Are watch they it. in Vancouver? Yeah. Actually, they're from Nova Scotia. No. 
And the, there's actually like a Facebook group and everything. And there's just these like two like middle-aged old guys that just like talk about crime. But it's all like Canadian crime. And it's like, it's pretty cool. And oh they, my goodness. Okay. It's like super stereotypical Canadian too. Perfect. Like, <laughs> I love it. Do you find that like when you hear the stereotypical Canadian stuff, it actually makes you feel like you're at home? It does. Yeah. I'm like, okay, you know, this is like, here I am. I feel so comfortable and safe right now. <laughs> <laughs> like, they like talk about like Nanaimo bars in the intro and I'm like, bro. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> Nanaimo bars. Yeah. Those are good. Yeah. Have you heard of Caramel Rage? I haven't. Is that oh, for goodness sake. So good. And I can't find them anymore. They used to be at the M&M meat shops and they used to be sold at Second Cup mm-hmm. and I cannot find them anymore. Oh, and it's it the worst my when heart. you have a snack and then it just like disappears from and the universe. And it just disappears, right? And it used to be what I would want for my birthday cake. Like, oh. uh, that's what I wanted. And now, guess who's not getting it? <laughs> what a sin. Right? Ugh. <laughs> so inconvenient. Yeah. So you grew up in Lower Sackville. Yes. And got into checking out creepy old houses. Mm-hmm. <laughs> let's get into some mental health stuff. All right. Let's lay it out. Let's talk about some of your brushes with mental health. Okay. So I am diagnosed with, I was diagnosed with ADHD when I was four years old. So wow. Four. Yeah. Okay. I, they, um. I was just like a little wild child and they tried to tell my parents they were like she doesn't have my mom's like oh yes she does <laughs> like I so, beg to differ and they tested me and I literally had every single one so I okay. got and I was also diagnosed with borderline personality disorder back in January of last year so that's been quite the journey yeah learning how to live with that and kind of how to like protect myself with like not so much protect myself, I guess, like mentally protect myself from things just kind of because I'm very sensitive little being at times. Yeah. And so, okay, mentally protect yourself from what things? Like just kind of like be able to cut out toxic things in my life. Like if there's people that are toxic around me, like kind of distance myself from them, like anything that might be like a form of a trigger or something that just would not be healthy to be around for my well-being kind of thing. And that was a hard one because I had to let go of a lot of people and things that were not bettering me, yeah. I suppose. That is, sure. that is hard. It is. It's really hard, especially when there's like people that have been in your life a long time and they may not be helping as much as they appear to be, mm-hmm. I think. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. So, Yeah. And I think one of the really difficult things to kind of grasp or kind of understand is that there are people that, yeah, like the combination of them with you is just not healthy for Mm -hmm. you. And it's not necessarily because they are trying to be unhealthy for you or that they're a bad person. It's just that they don't match. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's hard because every like it's just like, how could you not take that personally? Yeah, it's definitely something with borderline that you have to kind of learn to like accept yourself. 100% I mean obviously that's with like any mental illness but especially with that I find because you basically have to accept that like you are a lot but it's not necessarily in a bad way kind of thing like I realize that like I am very a lot of energy a lot of emotion very loud I can be very up here a lot but like that's not necessarily a bad thing because there's like beautiful things about people with borderline like we feel things 
super deeply. Like we can read facial um, expressions. Yeah, facial expressions like better. We just we connect with people really easily. We love hard. We it's just you are very in touch with your emotions, I find. So Okay. Yeah. So it's very you have to like kind of accept that and be like, hey, this is me. Like I'm a lot to handle at times in a good way. And I I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Like as long as you're not being hurtful to other people and stuff, I think that that's as long as you're you're good. Yeah. That was kind of a word vomit there, but that's fine. Yeah, no, that was a beautiful word vomit. <laughs> Thank you so much. You're welcome. <laughs> I think that uh, like people here are starting to hear about borderline personality disorder a little bit more often. Mm-hmm. It's, but I think it's still just like very misunderstood. A hundred percent. It's very, very stigmatized. Um, people, I've like just research that I've done myself, like shortly after I got diagnosed. Um, just a little. Heads up for anyone that gets diagnosed or anything, don't go on Reddit for oh. research. Not a good spot. Yeah. Um, but like just the way that some people view people with like personality disorders and mood disorders as if they're like horrible people. And it's like we're not. We just have a little bit of trouble like with our emotions. And sometimes we just need a little extra help to balance them out. And I don't think that that's a bad thing. No. And... So then what made you, like, what got you to the point where you're kind of like, maybe I need to have this checked out? Um, I, well, when I look at back at, like, my childhood as a whole, it, it makes sense now because I always had, like, very explosive meltdowns. Like, I would go from, like, zero to 100 when I get upset, and I can never really, like, understand that. Like, why does this upset me so much, whereas someone else can just water off a duck's back kind of thing? Yeah. And then I was just like having huge 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 meltdowns and like the mood swings and everything were just too much so I went to see my psychologist who has like followed me basically my entire life she was part of the ADHD diagnosis and everything because I think everybody can benefit from therapy at some point in their life amen and even reoccurring like oh yeah so like keep that coming yeah it's it's great you I don't think that you need to be like disturbed or anything like that to have therapy i think everyone should have it i i absolutely agree like yeah take care of your brain folks yeah yes it's so because your brain is so misunderstood and you Mm. like it's difficult to especially like when we just have so much information being thrown at Mm. us right now and it's difficult to sort through all of it all the time and there's actually this scene from spongebob that i feel like really just explains borderline to me it's there's this one episode where SpongeBob is like freaking out and it like flashes to the inside of his brain and there's a bunch of SpongeBob's like shredding documents and there's fire and they're trying to like get rid of everything all at the same time and they like can't like sort anything or like calm anything down and it's like that's essentially what it's like in the head of a borderline like everything is like skyrocketed emotions so it's it's very stigmatized and hard to explain to some people because you come off as like manipulative and like attacking and but it's really just like there's a part of our brain that is that processes the emotions it's actually smaller so it doesn't process them the same way that a regular person with that part so, of the brain would. so there's actually a physical yeah there's a physical they scan brains of people with bpd and the i can't remember the part of the brain off the top of my head but it deals with like emotions and all that stuff and it's actually like smaller if you have borderline so 
the trauma, it similar to PTSD, it can like physically change your brain and stuff like that. So, wow. Yeah, I like that was really what like solidified it for me. I was like, okay, there's it's not anything that I did. Like, there's literally a part of my brain that is different from the average person's and I need medication to regulate it and that's perfectly okay like yeah but it was that really like made me feel better to hear that like there is actually a not that there needs to be physical symptoms for it to be real but it definitely makes it seem oh it makes it right it does it make it make it helps it seem more legitimate mm-hmm. same with having like a diagnosis like beforehand I was just like I why am I so emotional and explosive all the time but then when they explain it to me I was like wow okay this actually checks out I can regulate it medicate it and all that so my understanding like of this is very limited Mm -hmm. and I've interviewed one girl before that um, has the same condition but Mm -hmm. it seems that it manifests itself differently in each person it's yes it does it's very odd how it works because it's like I've met some people with it who have the exact same characteristics as me and I see a lot of myself in them. And then I meet other borderlines who are completely different and there obviously is some that are can be malicious, like any person with any I know issue. anyone can be, yeah. But yeah, like I find people seem to think that people with borderline are very like explosive and angry, but a lot of times they're just very, very sensitive people who've gone through trauma that just, you just need to be gentle with them and just like reassure them. And it it's really like people go, it's just, it's such a stigma that like, if you go to the doctor for your leg, people are like, oh, you broke your leg, but it's like you get diagnosed with a pretty heavy duty mental illness and people are like, oh, you're faking it. And yeah, that can be annoying. It's, it wears you down and it's the last thing you need. Yeah. Because that's already going on in your own head. Like, like you're already feeling like, oh, this is like just something that's wrong with me and I just can't handle this. And when people talk about the people with borderline are hard to handle and it's hard to be around them, I'm like, try living with it. It being in your own head all the time. It's exhausting. Like your brain is just like a little hamster on a wheel. <laughs> just going all the time, just eh? going all the time. So one of the things that I, uh, like my other friend explained to me was that it seemed like she kind of put on different personalities for Mm -hmm. different occasions yeah is that something that also happens with you um I don't find that I struggle with the kind of aspect of it where you don't really know who you are like I did when I was younger a bit okay but I definitely noticed that I do like not different personalities but I'll like censor myself I act a little bit different around people depending on like how comfortable I am around them and stuff right so and see that's what's really confusing to me too because it seems like I mean because we all have different behaviors that we Mm -hmm. put on around different people yeah so I'm trying to kind of understand what the difference is and so far it's like the difference is that it's like amplified Mm -hmm. everything is like a hundred all the time like everything is just like something that would minorly upset someone can like send me into a full-on like meltdown so that's kind of like a really hard part to deal with also scary because it's like anything can trigger you and it's like you can like I'm sitting here like stable and I can be like hey yeah no that wouldn't upset me but it's like flash forward 10 minutes like it you just never really know like even if you are medicating you're dealing with therapy and everything like that you you kind of 
you're just like trotting along, just kind of waving and avoiding anything that might stress you out and stuff like that. So that okay. So I was actually listening to a podcast like a week or so ago, and it was um, I honestly can't remember what it was called, which is going to slightly annoy me. But the uh, the person was talking with a professional, like with a psychologist mm-hmm. or a researcher and psychologist. Anyway, they were talking about how we can like if we're sitting and we're kind of like and we're calm mm-hmm. and more like in our own skin. Uh, I think they call it the cool spot or the cool. I'm going to mess this up, but I'm going to do my best here. You can try to imagine yourself in a certain situation and be like, well, yeah, I wouldn't do that or mm-hmm. I wouldn't react that way. But when you're in the situation, it's completely different. It is completely different. And there's actually like scientific research that backs up what what physically physiologically occurs when you are in those different situations mm-hmm. your brain is different like yeah. it's like you are you are different so you can't accurately predict how you're going to behave in certain mm-hmm. situations no exactly and so it sounds and please correct me if i'm wrong this is me just trying to try to understand it for myself and for anyone who's listening it seems like again it's something that's just like with uh what what do you call it bpd yeah uh, it's like, again, just more extreme. Like, it's just yeah. kind of like, again, like, yeah, okay, yeah, sure. The average person would experience that and they would kind of be like, oh, okay, yeah, that was like, whoa, that was kind of difficult. But when you have BPD, it's just like, it's just it, like, no, I, f- I can't properly filter this. And and it's like, I'll be like, if I'm like having a conversation with someone and something that they say like triggers me, even if I'm like, hey, like, and I start like getting worked up and I'm like, this is upsetting me. And they're like, hey, no, it's okay. Like, it's okay. I still like, it takes me a little longer to come back down and kind of like calm myself down from, even if the person, like the situation is resolved, it like takes me a few minutes to like, kind of like pull it all back in and like bring myself back to like a more neutral state. And can be, that itself can be really frustrating too, because when you're sitting there and you're like, I'm okay, like I'm okay, why am I still upset? And you have to basically like, reset your brain and be like you're fine you're fine calm down like and you have to like just slowly bring it back in and it's it can be hard at times depending on like the situation and, and if there's people that are kind of like trying to help but they're going about it like and they're like hey no it's okay it's okay and it's just like amping the situation up even more right and it's kind of like you got to be very very gentle and just be like quiet and hey it's okay and it can be hard yeah so yeah what is the most helpful way that a person can help you um i found one of my like kind of reset techniques is like um if i'm really anxious and i'm kind of like i can feel myself starting to spiral or like cycle through moods a bit which is like a very common thing with borderline where over like an hour a couple hours you can change your moods four or five six seven times and it's you can like feel yourself going through them but usually i just get like my partner or someone like close to me who is a safe person to just kind of sit with me and just like reassure me and like tell me verbally like we're okay this is okay you're safe there's nothing that's gonna harm you and just kind of hearing those things kind of like brings you back down brings you back down and is it and it's like one of those things that you can't rush right yeah no it's like you have to it's because you're doing it's your brain like you kind of just gotta let it like kind of reboot like like a wi-fi router i guess (laughs) 
like unplug and plug it back yeah, in. Yeah, like you just gotta <laughs> let it that thing reset, and it can be mentally taxing. Yeah, because then after you have the meltdown, like you exert your, exert yourself so much, like physically and emotionally. Like people, a lot of people with borderline say that when they're upset, like it physically feels like they feel pain because they just feel things like so. I guess aggressively yeah but in a good and bad way so it like afterwards you're like exhausted and just like zapped and you just usually sleep and it's 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 like a very like up and down curve of events yeah series of events sorry no yeah and so and you said that did you start medication last year I did I started um medication probably two months after I got diagnosed so okay I'll be coming up on a year on it in March I believe and it was so like my doctor has followed I've had the same family doctor since births and she she's really good at hitting the hammer hitting the nail on the head with the hammer Jesus this is so bad <laughs> She's really good at figuring out what medications will work with my body. Yes. So she's very familiar with how your body works. And and same with like me and my mom kind of follow each other similarly. So she she prescribed me one and it just happened to work perfectly. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Just had to like adjust the dosage and it really helps like regulate my sleep schedule and my moods and it really helps a lot. So it brings it all kind of back closer to the baseline i am like so pro medication for mental health that it's like i'm like girl if you are getting suggested medication you do it it'll help you yeah like you're not failing if you do this you're just making it so that yeah you're closer to what the what a person whose brain is functioning Mm -hmm. the way that they're more intended to i suppose like i was medicated when i was five years old for my adhd up until I think I was medicated until I was 16 and then I stopped the medication for that. But I've been medicated actively for mental health since I was like five years old. So I'm like, yeah, your brain needs it. It's give your brain what it needs. Like, yeah. And it's. Yeah, I'm pro medication as well. Like, right. I think that it's um, and, and, you know, everybody has their own journey and they have these these techniques that they use mm-hmm. to help themselves and if that works that's awesome and just keep doing it yeah but if medication if you come up to a point where you're like I think maybe medication might be the way to go or like your doctor is mm-hmm. saying I think medication is going to be the most beneficial yeah. for you like I just it's not going to help you to fight it and it's not going to help the people around you to fight it mm-hmm. but it's you know I have a lot of respect for the difficulty you know when it comes to going going on medication like mm. the day that I went in to finally talk to my doctor about going on medication was scary it is and it's also like when it comes down to it like the medication was something I had to consider not only for myself but the people around me because like dealing with this serious mental health disorder was like it was hard on like my family and other people as well because I was just like meltdown getting triggered and stuff like that so it was like putting stress on other people and I was like hey not only is my mental health being affected here other people's are so I should probably like reel this thing in that's and like that's amazing you're thinking outside of yourself yeah so it's like I think that it's important to like obviously like you are number one and you come first but when you 
are in one of those situations where your support system is very actively involved with you, I feel like it's important to also protect them as well kind of thing. Yeah, and I completely agree. I think that's very responsible. Like, I mean, we're a part of society. We've mm-hmm. got to consider it, right? Exactly. Like that's, and you've, you, it's funny. Um, I So I listened to Jordan Peterson. I listened mm-hmm. to his podcast and I've been reading his uh, one of his books. And one of the things that he says, and he says it kind of harshly, but I just love it is like you need to teach each other like we need to teach our children to be kind to each other Mm -hmm. because you need to be liked in order to do well it's so true and you're not gonna get anywhere in life if everyone doesn't like you yeah if you're just a selfish person that's only thinking about how everything's going to affect you and you're not considering how your actions are going to affect the people around Mm -hmm. you then like if you don't play nice no one's gonna want to play with you (laughs) literally (laughs) so and I think that that like so it's I love that you're just kind of like you're taking this responsibility. You're like, yes, this is something that I am that I am dealing with and I need to take care of myself. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be responsible for this because I need to be responsible to other people as well. I exactly. need to be responsible to society. Yeah. And I and that's not to say that I. Uh, that's not to say that you need to treat yourself like uh, garbage because you don't because you're like, oh, I'm not contributing to society. Mm-hmm. And I because like there are all these struggles that we are going to have and that we're going to bring. And we like, but everybody has these different stories, exactly. and these different ways that they yeah. deal with it. And anyway, that's my little rant. But that's amazing. And so. <laughs> What do you do to help, like, do you do other things on top of taking medication to help maintain yourself? Um, It's been a bit of a journey to find, I'm on trying to find, like, a psychologist that will work with me and stuff like that. But, again, that's another big stigmatism is a lot of professionals are, like, iffy on working with borderline patients and stuff like that. Because, again, like, I'm not calling for everybody here, but just, like, based on the people I've reached out to and other people I know who have the diagnosis, um, a lot of times they won't give you therapy unless you do group therapy and stuff first. And so it's, it's a little bit of a harder route to get, um, therapy I've found, but okay, I'm still working on that. So yeah. Okay. Yeah. But um, I find that like I try to get outside a lot that really really affects my mental health like I need to get out again with the ADHD I have a lot of energy so I just need to like get outside and just like throw it somewhere or else I'm literally like a puppy locked in a closet so. <laughs> a puppy locked in a yeah, closet yeah literally I'll sit like if you can see right now I'm like literally like vibrating yeah, like, yeah you're just kind of moving around I cannot around. sit still I'm one of those wiggle worms but <laughs> I like that. I, you know, I have a soft, a soft place in my heart for that. Um, it just makes me think of my grandma. Actually, it's funny because <laughs> she, she will like she would just kind of talk about little things about herself and kind of make fun of herself over little things. And she'd just be like, you know how people sit down and they just rest their hand on top of their other hand and they just sit there for an hour. She's like, I'm fidgeting and I can't like I have to keep moving. I honestly like if someone even like offered to pay me like a thousand dollars, I don't think I could do that. Like within the there was actually, I remember this one situation back in elementary school where there was this like contest where everybody had to keep their hand on this car. I, it was something like that. Right, to win the car, torture. right? Torture. Literal <laughs> torture for me. I was like, like, 
I can't, I can't, I can't. I, no, I lasted literally five minutes. I was like, I cannot do this. And <laughs> it's funny because my whole family, like my mom, my brother, are both also diagnosed with ADHD. So my mom is just like exactly like me. So there's like three of us in the house that are just like. <laughs> so road trips were really fun oh as a kid. Oh my goodness. <laughs> How many siblings do you have? One. Your brother. Yeah. Okay. And when, so then do you find that it makes it easier to talk about it in your household? Um, yeah. Like it's just such a, no- ADHD is such a normalized thing in my household. Like it's, it's crazy. Like I, um. I can definitely like see it in other people, especially too. Like if I have it, I can see it in other people. Oops. Do you that, find? Have, sorry, I'm cutting you off. That's okay. Do you, Do you find that you see it in people who don't realize that they have yes, it? Yes, one hundred percent. Can you say anything about it? I I there's been a okay. So one of my friends, um, there there are a couple. Um, her partner. There's no way that he does not have ADHD. Blake, if you are listening to this, I'm calling you out. <laughs> He went and got tested and he swears up and down that they said he does not have it. But I'm like, this boy is like twin of me. He would just be, he he has it. And I'm like, you have every single tendency that I have. There's no way that you don't have this. Like, so yeah, but like certain times I don't because I'm like, I don't want to be like, hey, um, I think you might actually have a diagnosis you don't know about. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, people might not react well to that. But yeah, no, like he straight up, he comes to mind and I'm just like, there's no way, no way that that boy does not have it. So yeah, it's. It's pretty wild. I find that with myself as well because I've been diagnosed with depression and I also have some anxiety. I find that, yeah, it's easier to kind of see it in other people, mm-hmm. the way that they talk and uh, yeah. and like how they react to certain situations. I'm just kind of like, I see myself in it. And so, and, yeah. of, and of course, like, and of course I can't be like, you know, I think you might have depression because <laughs> like that's not going to It doesn't help. go over too well. Right? Tell someone that. Yeah. And like, and how willing are they going to be to listen to you? I, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that's not helpful. And even like for me, like if somebody were to come up to me before I was diagnosed and say, I think you have depression, which actually I think that I did have some people say that to me. It didn't do anything because I was kind of like, you don't know what you're talking about. You don't know me. Yeah. And it was so that was frustrating. And then it wasn't until I heard somebody explain what it felt like to for me to be like, oh, that yeah. is a that's actually a thing. Yep. And that is how I feel. Yeah. And I then agree. to. Yeah. And then to understand that there was hope. Hey, that's so true. I um, Mine was um, I was like kind of going down a path we we were pretty sure it was either like my mom really thought it was ptsd and i was like no i think it's borderline because i'm a cancer survivor and i've got a little bit of trauma <laughs> residing on that just like a little bit yeah and um she thought that it was ptsd and stuff like that but I'll, most of my cancer journey i'm like pretty at peace with and i've come to terms with and stuff so but i definitely think that the borderline probably came from some of the trauma with that there's no way that it didn't i mean it was a very traumatic experience but how old were you when you were diagnosed? I was born with stage four cancer. No, what? Yeah, so they diagnosed me at 15 hours old with cancer. They It took a couple, probably a week or so for the biopsy to come back to say what kind, but then I started chemo at 15 days old. So I was, up until um, recently, I met someone who started chemo at five days old, but up until then, I was one of the youngest patients to receive it in the IWK. What kind of cancer was it? It was um, 
called infantile fibrosarcoma. So it's a rare type of soft tissue cancer. So I haven't met anybody ever who's had it. Um, there's one person that I've connected with in the UK over Instagram and her little son has it. And they added me into a group on Facebook and there's about 90 survivors in it, but they're all little, little children. So there's only a couple long-term survivors like me in the group. So it's a pretty rare cancer. Is it something that you've been dealing, like how long did the treatments last? Um, So I did chemo up until, I did six rounds of chemo. So I finished it around nine or 10 months old. And I had six surgeries and they took out 90% of my leg muscle with my tumor. So I have 10% of my, uh, what is the upper left part of your leg called? Quadricep? I think. You know, you could say anything confidently and I'd be like, yes, that's what it is. The the squishy part of your upper leg. The squishy part. part of your upper leg. So, yeah. There's somebody like sitting at home listening to this and they're just yelling at us what it's called. They're like, <laughs> I know it. Just get, just listen. It's this. <laughs> this is what it's called. <laughs> Thigh. Yeah. That, yes, that's what it is. Oh, see, person listening. Thanks for yelling that at me. I heard it. Love that. Love that. <laughs> so... And so you finished, wait, how did they figure out that you had cancer? Oh, I, yeah, that was, that's probably an important detail. Um, when, (laughs) when I was delivered, um, I had like a big bump on my leg. So they were like, Hey, we should probably, you know, check this out. (laughs) Wow. uh, So yeah, it was a pretty wild the way my mom has explained it to me that she had like all the doctors and nurses were like lined up against the wall, like bawling their eyes out. And I was just sitting in between my mom and my family doctor and they were like crying. I'm just there like, like chilling like a baby. Oh my goodness, that's heartbreaking. So, yeah, it's pretty, pretty wild. It's definitely shaped my life a lot too. Like one thing people don't understand is that when you go through cancer, it's not over when you finish your treatment, so. And is that because of like, are you talking mentally or also because of the follow-ups that you need to go through? Both. Yeah. Um, there's definitely the, um, the mental health aspect of it. Like definitely there's almost every can- um, cancer survivor I've met has some form of mental health issue or something. Cause I mean, it could have to do with like chemotherapy drugs, but I think it also has to do just do with like the trauma and things that you experience when you're going through it. And it, um, yeah, it's, it's mentally hard and it's also physically like a lot of the treatments that they give children and stuff, they have a lot of long-term side effects. And it, so it, that makes it hard as well. How long-term? Um, I have a chronic non-curable disease from one of my chemo drugs called interstitial cystitis. So it's an autoimmune disease that is basically like your bladder, Basically, I, it's just a lot of chronic pain and fatigue and just some gruesome details and stuff like that. But it's um, so one of the drugs I was on, cyclophosphamide, um, kind of like did a lot of damage to my organs. So I have to deal with main, like maintaining my chronic illness and I do like catheter treatments weekly and stuff for myself. So that's pretty wild. But yeah. And. That's so you have ADHD, which would end BPD, which which would 
which gives you lots of energy. Yeah. And then you have a chronic illness that a chronic illness yeah. that sucks out your energy. How it's, does that work? It's um it's actually like such a pain in the butt because I'm very stubborn in the way that I like for example, I had a surgical procedure on Monday for my bladder and I came home napped for five hours and then I got up and I was like, well, I'm going to make 40 cookies. And my boyfriend was like, get back in the bed. You just had surgery. <laughs> just had surgery. Just and calm. I was just like pottering around my apartment baking and he's just like at, beside himself. He was like, I can't tell her to stop because she's content and just puttering along. But right. like, I'm just like when I want to do something and when I have the energy to do something, I have a really hard time like being like, hey, my health's not that great today. I can't do that. Or like explaining to like my friends being like, hey, I can't really do that. I'm more like I'll push myself and then end up in a flare up and it, it's a little consistent cycle. But Right, right. Because you're, I imagine it's like you're trying to listen to your body, mm-hmm. but your body's sending you conflicting messages. Yeah. So it's, oh, sheesh. <laughs> yeah, that so is it's- so like kind of a little bit of curveball there cancer and an autoimmune disease <laughs> seriously <laughs> and so you finished up treatment when you were nine ten months old right mm, and yeah. then did you have to get any more treatments after that or is, um, has it been i was followed by the IWK until i was 19 so i would wow. go in twice yearly and they do like ct scans blood work just like normal stuff like that i was supposed to be followed for life originally because my cancer is so rare but i reacted so well to my treatments and stuff that they were like nah she can go she doesn't need to be here anymore so that was pretty cool and okay so yeah. then so you're no longer having to go in and be checked yeah. up on so I don't get checked up by oncology anymore but I am followed by like urology and stuff from my chronic illness and all that and if they needed to contact the IWK like they still have all my charts and stuff and the IWK has conversed with urology and stuff so that I still do have them like if I needed to Okay. If something ever were to like, because like one of the long term side of like one of the side effects of chemotherapy and cancer treatments is you do have like an increased chance of secondary cancers later on in life. So if anything ever like came back with that, like we could like talk about that's like one in a million chance. So, okay. But yeah, they, I've got a pretty good medical team. That okay. And so there are still ways that if anything were to come back, it would be easily caught yeah so if like if it ever was like the chances of it ever 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 coming back it would be a a new whole new diagnosis type of thing but okay they would be able to catch it probably yeah because i'm followed pretty closely like by my family doctor and urology and get scans and stuff like that so okay okay yeah so it's pretty pretty chill yeah and so how long has it been since you've been able to did it feel like you kind of got some of your life back when that stuff ended um it definitely when I so I'm 25 now and that was when I was 19 it definitely felt like a a closed door kind of thing and it was like so a lot of times when kids finish cancer treatment and stuff now they have this thing in the IWK like the bell that they ring yeah they didn't have that back when I was in treatment or like the bravery bees and stuff like that yes yeah so that was kind of like my way of like I remember that day my last appointment and I was like walking out of the IWK and I was just like I'm done I'm done I'm done and it was kind of like a surreal moment because it's literally all I've ever known like yeah same doctors and stuff like that so it was but I definitely because I work so closely with like photographing children with cancer and stuff like that I cancer is still a relevant event in my life I have people that I have had 
pass from it and stuff like that. But I, um, and it's obviously still like kind of open with the autoimmune disease door because they sometimes have to like look back at like things they did during my treatment and stuff like that. But for the most part, it's like pretty much closed. So I don't really. So you just leave that behind yeah. now. So and it's like, I just talk about it like in positive situations and like. Okay. Do you find you have to be careful in how you talk about it? Um, in the way that I'm very like, um, I've <laughs> I found a couple like cancer patient meme accounts on Instagram and stuff. Like I'm very like, um, what's the word? Like cancer survivors when they're past their their treatments, all that are ruthless with like cancer jokes and stuff like that. Yeah. So it's very I I have to be careful about like kind of I'll like read the room and stuff like that. Right. But yeah, like I'm very. I talk about it very nonchalantly, I think, just because it's been, like, such a thing since I was a child. But I definitely... I, I will censor it, like, on who, what I'll tell to people, depending on... Okay, because you... So you have quite the sense of humor when it comes to that stuff. <laughs> I call my, um... My weak leg, old Bessie. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing! And, um, this one is kind of... I don't think it's... Some people have tried to tell me it's insulting, but it's not... Um, so Terry Fox and me had very similar cancers. His was osteosarcoma. Mine was fibrosarcoma. Okay. So sometimes I call it Terry just because, you know, we both had it because in our leg. Because you both had it in your leg. And I feel like if Terry Fox and me, like, had met, we would have been buds. So. So, yeah. Like, I feel like it's fine. Like, he's probably like, you shouldn't say that, but it's fine. <laughs> it's like, oh, keep so, it on the download, yeah, but that's like, funny. I'm very, like, I'm... Sometimes my mom's like, that's not funny. Like, I'll be like, hey, mom, wouldn't it be funny if they had to amputate my leg and give me a peg leg? She's like, that's not funny at all. <laughs> I'm like, but what if they did, though? <laughs> you know, a lot of the times I find that people who've gone through really difficult experiences do like and come out it quite well mm -hmm. have developed a great sense of humor it's 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 wild like i um so i went to camp good time it was like a camp put on for cancer survivors and cancer patients by uh can canadian cancer society since i was like 10 and there was this one time a couple years back where there was a bunch of us trying to walk up the hill and i was like out of breath because i have a weak leg one other girl was just fresh off chemo. Another one has a prosthetic leg. And we're all like wheezing up the hill. And we just look at each other and we're just like cancer pros. And just started <laughs> losing it, laughing. And then like one of the counselors who didn't know any of us prior was like walking with us. And he was like, what? Like all <laughs> so it, it comes off like kind of harsh to some people. But it's really like it's it's a bond, really. Like you yeah. go through like hell with that and then you're just kind of like you know what i'm gonna make fun of it yeah it's like i reserve the right to make fun of the hell that i've been through yeah well some people have tried to tell me before they're like you can't make jokes like that i'm like i can make those jokes i can i yeah, have gone make through the ringer yeah with like health i can make those jokes yeah so, bye <laughs> so <laughs> yeah and it's funny how it's the people that haven't experienced it that are I should actually be careful when I say this because I don't think that it's true for everyone, but it does tend to be that a lot of people who haven't personally been through it, mm -hmm. who are really sensitive about it. Yeah. Because you just, like, you don't know how to react. You're kind of, because you don't want to hurt anyone's feelings. Exactly. And, yeah, and so you're kind of just, like, really sensitive about it, and then the people who've been through it are kind of like, like, I'm tough. I've been through it. Yeah. Therefore, I'm tough. A lot of times, like, we don't want sympathy or, like, oh, like, I'm so sorry you went through that. I'm like, I don't care. It just shows that, like, we're tougher than... 
will try to keep us down. Like some of the strongest people I know um, battled cancer and some of them didn't make it through their battle, but they're still like the bravest people I've ever met. Yeah. So it's like gladiators. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. Cancer is a wild thing, but it, I feel like I'm saying wild so many times on this. I've been just saying, do you ever just like get a word and it's like sticking you? The past week, yes. I'm just like, oh, that's, that's wild. wild. And I'm like, Katie, why do you keep saying why that? Why do you keep saying that? Yes, the same thing happens to me. <laughs> it happened to me recently with the word absolutely. <laughs> and I was just like, I was listening to, I was listening to a podcast that I was doing and I was just like, Ruth, can you please just stop saying absolutely? And I kept hearing it. And I was just like, oh, this is embarrassing. You, just stop it. Have you watched RuPaul's Drag Race? No. There is a drag queen on, I think, season six. Her name was Gia, Gia Gunn, and she would constantly be like, absolutely. <laughs> That's what that reminds me of. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, yeah. Right? I'm absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Katie. Wild. Wild. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming in. Thank you for having me. This was amazing. This was super fun. And now I think that I've been saying amazing a lot. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's my new word. That's what I replaced absolutely with. Oh no, it happened again. <laughs> but it was amazing. This was really a really nice conversation. Oh, thank you. You were very comfortable. Like uh, you create a very comfortable atmosphere oh thank you so much yeah and it was easy to talk to you about this you have a, a warmth about you that's very welcoming thank you so much yeah, and i feel like yeah and i feel like we could probably expand on more of these things later i would love to that would be chill all right and so anyone who's listening if you have something that you in particular that you're kind of hoping to hear from katie maybe just send a message to me and we can see if we can get into some of those things. Yeah. Lay it on us. Lay it on us. <laughs> I would not be able to do this job. I'd be like, this is your captain speak. <laughs> like in that episode. Doing all these like little sound effects. You know, you've watched The Office, I'm assuming. Yes. Okay, when Michael, that episode where he learns the PA option oh on his phone. And yes. he's like, drive through. <laughs> and then Pam goes in and just like cuts yeah, the and they're cord. Like, oh, I was looking for the snip the cord. <laughs> and then he just continues on. Oh just God. blissfully ignorant <sighs> but yes we will do this again yeah i would love to that would be cool good people send in your requests do it if you have any questions and any questions and, any questions. and also everybody remember that wherever you are katie and i i'm gonna speak for you yeah katie and i are sitting here loving you we love you. We love you. Thank you for your time. <laughs> <laughs>